If you would turn to the book of Matthew chapter 16, we will begin there today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, As you turn there, one more time, can we just lift up our hands and our voices and thank the Lord for what he's doing in this house? God, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And while we thank you, Lord, we also pray that this word would fall on good ground in the heart and lives of every person in this room today, every person that is watching online today, those in this community, Lord, that we may not know right now, we pray that your word would fall on the good ground of the heart and that you would begin to speak to us and that we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin at verse 13 today. It says that, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? Who do men say that the Son of Man am? And they said, say, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them then, But whom Say ye that I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, they shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Before the church began, Jesus prophesied that, that the gates of hell would not prevail against that church. And I'm here to remind you that you and I, while there is war happening around the globe in the physical overseas we today we still pray for Jerusalem for the peace of Jerusalem we do and I hope we do and we exercise that today that we pray prayers this week for Jerusalem and there is a war that is taking place in this world but much more real than that war there is a spiritual war that is happening in your life and in my life. In every life, there is spiritual warfare going on. And I'm here to declare to this house that you are on the winning side of that war. Will you turn to your neighbor and just let them know that, that you are on the winning side? And I'm preaching because you and I, we need to do something today. And this is my title. We need to tell hell that you will not prevail. Can you just do that right now? Can you just look down and tell hell that? You will not prevail. You will not prevail. You can be seated today in the name of Jesus.
Ephesians 6 and 12 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is who we are warring against. We do not war against people. We do not war against flesh and blood. We do not war against our neighbor or against people that that have uh, differing viewpoints or opinions. We do not war against people, but we do war against the ideologies of this world, against darkness that is surrounding us on a daily basis, darkness that is all over the place. Everywhere you look, there is darkness. And we do war against darkness, against the spiritual wickedness of this age. We are at war against it. And we cannot ever forget that. We cannot ever compromise. We cannot ever be, ever become comfortable with the darkness that is in this world. We cannot ever allow the darkness to infiltrate the kingdom of God in our hearts, becoming okay with the preaching of the dark message or with the compromise compromising messages that go against the word of God, things that in the flesh seem like they would be good, but in reality through the word of God and through the spiritual, we can recognize that they are a seductive force, a seductive message, a seductive uh, enemy that is coming our way to rob us of what God has blessed us with. And if you are breathing air, today. Uh, just check on your neighbor real quick. We need to take a time out and check on our neighbor. Make sure they're breathing. Are you breathing? Are you breathing? If they're breathing and if you are breathing, you are fighting against that enemy, against an enemy that is coming after you. The enemy comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against it. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. It is not something that, that we beat the drum at that is real on Sundays but fake throughout the week. The spiritual realm is actually much more real than the physical realm. For the spiritual realm has been around a lot longer than the physical realm. And it will be around a lot longer than this earth. For heaven, or heaven and earth shall pass away. That is reality. But there is a God who was and is and is to come. And he is a spirit, the Holy Ghost. And the spiritual warfare that we fight is real. And it's a war of territory. And if you study warfare, a lot of wars have been, uh, been raging because a fight of territory. And this is a war of territory. But once again, Jesus has already won the battle. And so we can have confidence in that. We can take our confidence in the fact that he has already won the war. We are in what is called in the military term, the mopping up phase. When the war has already been won and the victorious army is involved in just minor skir skirmishes. Because those skirmishes, while they are real, Jesus has already defeated hell. Never doubt it, Jesus has already won the war. 
Be confident in that. Remember that when you go through your week. Remember that as you are living your life that he has already won the war and he is for you and not against you. He is for you. He is for your family. He is for your success. He is blessing and he will bless you. We, are, we talked about it last week, that abundant life that God has for us through the grace of Jesus Christ. He has called us to live in that abundance for the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, he said, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He has it for you. It's not just for those that have been saved since 55. It is not just for those that were baptized in Jesus' name last week. It is for whosoever will. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is fighting for you. Jesus prophesied victory for all of us. And his statement to the apostle Peter Days before Calvary, before he would give his life on the cross, he said that the gates of hell, those gates, they shall not, they will not. It's a definite term that he's using. They shall not, they will not prevail against you, the church. Prevail. That word prevail, it means to take by force, to overcome by power. And it's the enemy's stated design to kill, as I said, to steal and to destroy. He wants to overcome the church. He wants to take our territory. And that means he comes to take you and to take your family, to take this place, to take our children, to take Next Gen, to take Monroe tots and kids and youth and young adults and to take our, our middle-aged, our, our singles, to take our marrieds, to take our friends, to take our neighbors, to take senior warriors. He is here to overcome the church. He wants to destroy you, to disarm you from the word of God. He wants to take this Bible out of your hands. He wants to remove it from your kitchen table. He wants to take it out of your, of your normal routine. And he wants you to put it on a bookshelf, never to read it, to, get, to collect dust, to collect things on it that, as a sign of saying, this word is not our priority. This word is not in my, my life. It's not a part of my habits. It's not a part of my routine. That is what the enemy is trying to do in, to establish in your life, to disarm you from the word of God, which leads to defeating you. He wants to overwhelm you with the physical so that you forget about what's happening in the spiritual. He wants to overcome you with all kinds of crazy stuff that is absolutely real. He wants to come at you with, with things that will attack your finances, to attack you on the job, to set a coworker next to you that just eats away at you. Has anyone been there before? He wants to do whatever he can to take your eyes off the prize and put your eyes on the physical. 
to keep you occupied with the, with the minor, to have you major on the minor and minor on the major. That's what his desire is for your life, to plunder your peace of mind and joy, to infiltrate and alienate your marriage and to separate you from those you love, to wreck your home, to crush your hope. Those are some of the things that the enemy wants to do to the church, what he wants to do to you, to you and your family. That's why, as Ephesians 6.11 says, that we must put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wiles or the tactics, the schemes. Those tactics, those schemes, those things, they are coming at you. I'm here to warn you today. They will come at you. And they have the opportunity to be very effective. It's not his first rodeo. And they are the wiles of the devil. They are not the wiles of your job. They are not the wiles of of that stranger that cut you off in traffic, right, when you were just going through the worst day of your life. They're not the wiles of this and that. Are, are, you may be asking, are you trying to over-spiritualize things, Pastor? Are, are you trying to make everything a spiritual thing? And I'm here to say there is a lot more happening in the spiritual than we give it credit for. There are things happening. that I think that's what the Word of God tells us and, and lets us know we're not just out here preaching junk and, and, and filth and, and, and puffing things up that don't need to be puffed up. I'm here as a messenger to say that there is an adversary that is at war against you, and he will use anything. Someone say anything. He will use anything to get your eyes off of Jesus Christ. He will do it. He will do it. But greater is the one. <laughs> Greater is the one that is for you than the one that is against you. Greater is the one who lives within you than the one that surrounds you. Greater is the power of the one that is in you than the one we face, Luke 10, 19 says. Greater is the unity of believers than the cohorts of hell, 2 Kings 6 tells us. There is power in the church. There is power in you and I joining together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. There is power in that. Romans 8 and 37 says, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And hell's gates, they, they can try. They can do their best. They can give it a good shot. But I'm here to remind you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And you need to tell hell, you need to remind hell sometime that you will not prevail against me. Hell, you will not prevail against my life. You will not prevail against my family. You will not prevail against my church. Remember who is in charge. Remember whose child you are. Remember who your daddy is, who your father is. 
in heaven, the victor who wears the victor's crown, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave, the one who took back the keys to the kingdom, the one who today is on the throne. He is yours and you are his. You have authority over darkness, over disease, over every wile of the devil. You have authority. Take back what the enemy has stolen from you. Take back the authority in your life. Jesus pictured hell as a walled city with gates. In those days, gates of a city spoke of power. The larger the gates, the thicker the gates, the greater the power of the walled city. And through those gates, city armies would enter and exit. Upon those gates, the watchmen stood. The gates of a city spoke of its collective knowledge, for it was at the gates that judicial decisions were rendered. At the gates of a city spoke of the economic prowess of a city. Commerce was conducted at the city gates. Commerce and financial transactions were typically conducted there at the gate of the city. And so by mentioning gates, Jesus, in effect, compared the kingdom of darkness to a city, a city with gates. And contrary to the false narrative that is placed out there, that there is a sense of Freedom that comes when you choose to live in sin. That there is freedom when you decide that I am laying down my walk with God and I'm entering into the world. That false narrative that says that the sky's the limit in the world. I'm here, I'm here to fight against that narrative because there is an absolute boundary when you take your life and you put it in the hands of the gates of hell. When you put it in the hands of Satan, there is more boundaries there than there is in the Bible. There is more boundaries in hell than there is freedom in Christ Jesus. For the whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And when you choose to live your life any way you want to live it, you are putting yourself behind the gates of hell, behind that walled, fortified city. You are enslaving yourself into something that is, that is it constricts and it, it stops and limits you. It limits your future and limits your, what God has created you for. There is absolute um, repercussions from living in the world. You do what you do in the world. And I can tell you that there is going to be something that comes with it. There is a weight that comes with it. There is, a, there is a ball in a chain that comes with the ways of this world. Go ahead and do drugs all you want to. There is a weight now that you are pulling. Go ahead and, and, and watch pornography. There, is, there all of a sudden is a weight that you are carrying. Go ahead and party every weekend. Go ahead and party every night. Go ahead and, and, and drink another drop of alcohol. But there is a weight that comes 
in it. There is a sense of slavery that comes with it. There is a slavery that comes when you submit yourselves into the hands of an awful devil. There is a slavery that comes when you give the authority of your life over to someone else, to the darkness, to the enemy, to Satan himself. There is a slavery that comes with living inside the gates of hell. Hell is a very lonely place. And while it enlarges itself, there is no fellowship in hell. It is a lonely place. You say, I'm lonely in the church. I'm telling you, you're going to be much more lonely in hell. You say, I I don't have anything in common with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's exactly where Satan wants you, to believe that. But I'm here to tell you that in the body of Christ, there is a unity that, that you cannot find out in the world. There is love here that cannot be found in the world. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, we are standing. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It won't do it. Hell is the city of broken dreams. It is the metropolis of of misery. And while I said its population, it grows larger and larger. Hell's city limits are ever expanding. But it is not a place for you or for me. For there is something greater for you and I today. There is something that there is a freedom and there is life for you and for me. There is life for those in this city. There is life for us There is life for those that are lost, living in darkness, to come into the light of Jesus Christ. For it is our mission to lead people into a, what is it? A saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It is our mission to depopulate hell and to populate heaven. It is our mission to seek and to save the lost, to bring people with us into that city called heaven. It is our mission to not let outsiders remain outsiders, but to make insiders out of outsiders, to bring people along with us so that they belong. So before maybe they even believe and become, this is a, a, the body of Christ is a family, and this family is not exclusive to you and I. It is not exclusive to those that look like us, that dress like us, that are all that like the same things of us. It's not an exclusive country club. The church is the only institution that is created for its non-members. And we are here for others, for people that don't look like us, that don't sound like us, that don't act like us. People that are right now living beyond the walls of hell, inside the gates of that awful place. It is our responsibility as the church to, to build a bridge, to let people Know that we are for them and not against them. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not. Someone say we wrestle not against flesh and blood. God has called us to save others. To reach people. 
with the saving message of Jesus Christ. And once again, I believe it by faith that it will happen. I believe it by faith that it is happening. And all you have to do is open up your eyes and look around the room today to see that it is happening. Because I believe it for the people in this room as much as I believe it for the people outside of this room. That the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Yet when I look around the world today, I realize that in many ways and in many places, hell seems to be advancing with the righteous not prevailing. We see a promise of victory, but in some spheres, we don't see that victory before our eyes. And so for a moment, I want to talk about this and when hell seems to win. And hell seems to win when first we give access to our lives. That's when hell advances. That is when hell comes after us. Do you remember the prayer of Jabez when he asked for an enlarged territory in 1 Chronicles 4 and 10? Do you remember what happened? God answered that prayer. And God wants you and I, he wants you and I to advance. And while the enemy comes at us, while the gates of hell try to advance, God does not want us to retreat. However, one centimeter at a time it can happen. The gates of hell can advance one inch at a time if you allow it to. If you give access to your territory, hell will advance onto that territory. If you lay down your guard and you send out a postcard inviting hell in, hell will answer the call every single time. Hell will advance. How does it happen? How does it happen when we live overflowing, abundant life of Jesus Christ? Rivers of living water flow from us and we advance. But when the power that was worth at work within us begins to recede, when all of a sudden those rivers of living water are not, not, not working in our life, when we become spiritually dormant, when we take our eyes off Jesus Christ, when we put our eyes on the physical and we concentrate on the physical on the, more than we do the spiritual, more on the carnal than we do on the, on the spiritual things, hell's gates advance against us. They do. At one time, you may have given it your all. Maybe at one time, you read your Bible and prayed every day. You had an active spiritual life. You spoke in tongues regularly. You were on fire for God, you could say. But incrementally, one centimeter, one inch, one step, one foot at a time, the gates of hell begin to come closer. They, they started coming 
at you. One drink and hell moves forward. One puff and hell begins to move forward. One snort and hell moves forward. One click and hell moves forward. One setting of just watching whatever you want to watch, hell begins to move forward. That's, that's what it's about. That, that's truth, isn't it? There's this narrative out there that we can do whatever we want and there's no repercussions. That if you preach against anything, that that's just legalism. And I'm here to tell you that is a false narrative. God calls us to live, live a, a higher calling and to live in that higher calling, to take a step onto the rock and live our life on the rock of Jesus Christ, not on the, on the sand that is, at, that is at sea level. But God calls us to live a little higher. But every time you allow the enemy to take a step towards you, he will advance. And hell wins when we give Satan access into our life. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. That's Ephesians 4 and 27. But when we don't, and when we don't give in, when we don't give place to the devil, I'm, I'm reversing it now. When we stand our ground, the enemy does not advance. The gates do not advance towards us, but rather the gates have to take a step backwards. When we stand our ground, hell moves backward. Romans 13 and 4 says, make no provision for the flesh. And when we don't, hell moves backward. Hell wins, secondly, when we run on empty. You cannot serve your way into heaven. And when we neglect the primary for the secondary, when we neglect the altar, hell advances. When we neglect our Bible, hell begins moving forward. When our faith becomes dormant. Hell takes one step in front of another and advances toward us. When our hands begin falling, hell advances. Do you remember the story of Moses in the hills? Joshua led Israel against the Amal Amalekites in the valley below. And if Moses had his hands in the air, what happened? They won in the valley below. But when his hands fall, when they fell, the enemy prevailed. Hell wins when you drop your hands. Hell wins when you lose your surrender. When you lose your praise, hell advances. When you forget your worship. When you become just too busy, 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 busy. Busy When you are too busy to read your Bible and too, too busy to make it to pre-service prayer, too busy to, to take time and fast and, and pray and sign up and be a part of our, our prayer and fasting day, when you're just too busy, I'm here to tell you, you are just too busy. And when you are too busy, hell is advancing in your life. When you take your attention off of Jesus Christ and put it on the carnality of this world, when you take your attention 
attention off the primary and focus it on the secondary. Hell advances. So I want someone today before you leave this room to dust the altar off in your life. I'm here to encourage someone to get your knees back in the dirt again. To get your knees back in the carpet again. To find your prayer closet. To find your altar and sacrifice your pretty life to God Almighty. To give yourself away to Jesus Christ. To surrender your time. To surrender your attention. To surrender the grill that's back at your home. Or to surrender your time that you planned on using today. Or to to watch football or whatever it is. It's time that we find the altar again. It's fine that we, it's about time we don't just come up and, and, and sway to the music and smile and go back to our houses the same as we came in. It's time that someone would get their knees back in the carpet and seek the face of the Almighty God again. That someone would pray until something happened. That someone would seek God until something changed. That someone would repent of their sins and be born again, again. It's time that someone would be changed. And when you do, When your knees hit the altar and when your sacrifice is offered unto God, hell begins to step back. Hell begins to go backward. When you give your life to Jesus, hell has to leave. For when you speak the name of Jesus Christ, demons, what do they do? They don't advance. They don't advance. They flee. It happens when you give yourself over to Jesus Christ. When you give him your all, All hell must move back. Hell wins when we live in fear. Faith has its perfect work, but also fear does as well. Fear binds and blinds. A person who lives in fear has lowered their sights. They've surrendered their God-given dreams. A person who lives in fear settles for second best. And when you settle for the secondary, hell moves forward. The gates of hell advance when when you become okay with the secondary. When you forget your first love. What did he tell the church in Revelation? You've you've done great things. You've done great things. But you have forgotten your first love. And he told them to repent from where you have fallen. And I think it's okay that the church gets back to repenting from where we once were. If there's a spiritual high that you once experienced, but you know that today you are not living there, you are not possessing what God has given you, it's our responsibility to be the church and to repent, and God will restore what the enemy has tried to steal, what he has taken from us. But you know what will stop you from that? Fear. Fear will stop you from taking a step of faith. Fear is what cements your behind to the chair. 
Fear is what makes you not take a step out of the aisle and take a step of faith and say, God, I'm here for my healing today. Fear is what stops you from taking a step out of the aisle and saying, God, I'm here to be delivered today. Fear is what stops you from praying with your family at home. Fear is what stops you from opening up that Bible in your house once again. Fear is what stops you from teaching a Bible study. Fear is what stops you from starting a small group or a life group. Fear is what makes you decide to to live the same way you've always lived because it's the way you've always lived. Fear stops us from advancing. But fear allows hell to advance in our life. And it's natural. Someone say natural. It's natural to be afraid. It's natural to become fearful. And it happens to all of us. But it's not God's will for us to accept that fear. It's not God's will for us to live with that fear For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when you convert your fear into faith, hell moves backward. When you give your fear to God and say, I am fearful, but I'm going to go ahead and take a step of faith anyway, hell must move backward. For it was when the, the children of Israel were fearful of Goliath and the Philistines that they were able to take as much territory as they wanted. But when a young man named David decided to step out and look at a giant that was taller than him, that was stronger than him, that had a lot more going on than he did, When that man, young man David, decided to step out and say, you know what, this guy is tall, but my God is greater. And you come and defy, you come and defy the army of my God. I come to you in the name of the Lord who rules over all, the God of Israel's armies. And that young man David defeated that that Goliath, that Philistine, because he did not allow fear to keep him bound. He did not allow fear to keep him hiding, to keep him staying in the same position. Fear will do whatever it can to stop you from moving forward. Fear will do whatever it can to keep you occupied with whatever it is in the same state or box that you are in today. But faith says, I am not satisfied with my box. I am taking a step forward into the battlefield. I am taking a step forward towards the enemy. And when you take a step forward, the gates of hell have to take a step backward. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And it's time you take a step of faith and you tell hell, you will not prevail against me. Lastly, hell wins when we refuse to get back up when we fall. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Your victory is tied to your determination to get back up when you fall. I preached it last week. Who, Who used a lot of salt this week in your diet? Did anybody? I gave you permission last week. God has enough grace and mercy for all of us. He has abundant grace for you. And when you get knocked down, you do not have to stay down. 
When you stay down, that's when hell moves forward. But when you say, I am getting back up again, hell has to move backward. Hell wins when you refuse to get up. Hell wins when you refuse to listen to the truth of the word of God that says he is for you and not against you. Hell wins when you believe the narrative of our enemy that says you are junk, you are not good enough, that you are going to just fall down again. You might as well stay down. You might as well live in your sin. You may as well live in condemnation. That's a lie of the enemy, and I'm here to dispel that lie. If you get up, get if you get over down right now, get up again. You may fall down again, but get back up a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time. It is God's will for you to live on your feet, for you to be standing on the word of God. It is God's will for you. And when we cannot run, when we cannot advance, we've all been there. When we are facing it head on and we're not thinking about the offense, we're just trying to make it. When we're just trying to make it, God calls us just to stand. Having done all to stand, Ephesians 6.13 says. In verse 14, it begins by saying just stand. And I'm here to encourage someone just to stand today. I'm here to encourage you just to stand today. Yeah, you might fall down tomorrow, but get back up tomorrow and just stand. Don't wait until next Sunday. Don't wait until a month from now. Don't wait until you figured it all out. Just get up and stand. You may not have overcome that habit or addiction all at one time. God works incrementally as well as he works in the moment. And so all you got to do when you fall down is get back up, put one foot in front of the other, and as long as you are moving forward, you can fall down. But if you fall forward and you get back up, you are still closer than you were yesterday. You are closer than you think you are. You are closer than the enemy wants to tell you you are. Get back up. And when you get back up, hell has to move backwards. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against someone who decides in their mind that I am not staying down, but I am going to get back up again. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. The gates of hell will not prevail against somebody who decides that although they may fall, they shall rise again. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but this is the qualifier. The church must be the church. As I stated in the opening, we cannot allow our enemy to normalize our activity. We cannot allow the enemy to come in and take its place in our lives, in the church. We cannot allow him to take our territory. When you allow someone on your territory that never should have been on your territory, 
you just get into a big mess. It's time that we push back against the enemy coming onto our territory. It's time. Yes, there is a season to stand. There is a season just to get back up on your feet and do whatever you have to do to stand. But there is also a season for the church to be the church. And there is a season for us to take a step of faith in advance. We are not just here to allow the enemy to beat us up. We are not here just to allow the enemy to take whatever territory he wants and accept it. We are here on the offense as well. God's church is here to occupy. God's church is here to expand. God's church is here to claim. God's church is here to reach. God's church is not just here just to be here. We are here to defeat hell. We are here to depopulate hell and to populate heaven. We are here to push back against the gates. Against the gates of hell. It's the church. Someone say the church. The church. While not perfect, it is beautiful. It is the bride of Christ, Jesus. It is a beautiful bride that God called members in particular, you and I. You may just be a pinky toe, but God called you to be that pinky toe because that, the church cannot stand as firm as it wants to without you. You may be the big toe, you may be the foot. Just lift up your foot real quick. Show it to your neighbor and say, that's a beautiful foot. Because beautiful are the feet of those that share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word says. It doesn't matter what, where you are in the church, you are a part of a beautiful bride, a part of a beautiful church. And the gates of hell is not going to prevail against that beautiful church. He may war against us. He may try and knock out our beauty. And he's successful sometimes. He's successful sometimes giving us a low blow or giving us a black eye. He's done it in times past. And it will probably happen until the return of Jesus Christ. But while he may give you and I a black eye sometimes, that doesn't mean that he is the victor. It does not mean that he is winning the war. There is a victor in his name is Jesus. And he is, he is for you and not against you. He is for the church and not against the church. God has victory for you and for me. But it's up to us if we will possess that which God has given us. We win when we stand up. When we stand, hell moves back. When we possess what God is giving us and we stand, when we possess the grace and mercy that He's given us, when we possess the blessing that God has given us and we stand, hell moves back. We win when we refuse to stand down. And when we refuse to stand down, hell moves back. We win when we don't just stand up and refuse to stand down, but when we stand out, hell moves back. And when we rely on power beyond ourselves, when 
on that power of the Holy Ghost in our lives, when we stop waging the war in the flesh and we turn the war over to the Spirit and we fight with the Spirit of God, hell must move back. God's promises, they must be acted upon. And that's up to you and I to act on the promises of God. Moses was to walk across on dry ground, but first he had to stretch out on that promise. And when he stretched the rod over the sea, he was able to claim the victory. And you today, wherever you are, whatever the promise that God has given you, I encourage you to not stay still, but step out on that promise. And when you step out on God's word, hell must go back. The promise in Matthew 16 is similar. For Jesus said he would build an indestructible church, a church that hell could not prevail against. But the church must act on that promise. We win when we assume our rightful identity. We win when we let heaven take charge of our lives. And we win when we rely on power from another world. As Zechariah 4 and 6 says, it's not by might, nor by power, but my, my spirit, saith the Lord. And I'm here to encourage someone in this room to go ahead and stand up today. Stand up in the physical, stand up in the spiritual, and go ahead and tell hell that you are not going to prevail. Can we go ahead and do that today? Can we stand up and look our enemy in the eye and tell him who he is? Remind him of his position, that he is a defeated foe. Remind him that he will not prevail. And I just wonder if the church today, if you would take a step of faith, the enemy wants to keep you where you're at. The enemy wants to put your eyes on the clock. He wants to put your eyes on everything else. But I wonder if someone would have enough boldness on this Sunday morning to take a step towards this altar and take a step of faith. To take a step of faith and just understand while you're taking a step in the physical, the gates of hell are taking a step back in the spiritual. Don't let hell advance today in your life. Don't let hell advance another day in your marriage, in your family, in your life. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The gates of hell will not prevail. Someone give your, get your shout back. Someone get your praise back. Someone get your authority back. Take back the territory that the enemy has had to steal from you. of faith. Maybe you're not used to taking that step of faith to the altar. Come and take that step of faith today. If it's been, been a day, it's been too long. If it's been a week since you've been around the front here, it's been too long. Step forward. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of that comfort zone. Come forward and take a step of faith. In the name of Jesus.